All right, grab your Bible with me this morning. I'm excited to start this new series called Welcome. And this is definitely what we would call a gospel series. It's a series where we are going to be presenting the life and the wisdom of Jesus Christ and what he's done and who he is. And I'm excited to get to that. We're going to talk about his death and his resurrection next week. But we're going to communicate how Jesus was very special in welcoming everyone. Now today is Palm Sunday. We've been talking about it several times throughout our morning that this is the day that we celebrate when Jesus went to Jerusalem a week before his death and his resurrection and people welcomed him into Jerusalem as the Messiah. Now, this is a beautiful moment when Jesus fulfills the prophetic words of Zechariah, as, as Elsa just said, and comes and reminds us that he is the Savior of the world and he is our eternal king. Now, Elsa did a great job of reading a, a section of that from Matthew and I was going to read a section from John, but I realized it's just going to be a repeat. So let me just talk about this for a moment, because this is a great moment in Jesus' life. It's a moment when the people have finally recognized who he is and have said, we, we want to welcome you not only into our city, but into our life. And as we read through the Gospels about the life of Jesus the things that he did, the way he treated people, we notice that Jesus was constantly welcoming people into relationship with him and into relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus welcomed everyone. He welcomed the dejected, the disillusioned, the depressed, the disenfranchised, the disappointed, the disgraced, and the desperate. Everyone that had a problem with God... Jesus welcomed them. If somebody had a question about who God was, or maybe they, they felt disappointed by God somehow in their life, Jesus welcomed them. And it didn't matter what you had done or how you were living or how many bad things you could possibly do in your life, Jesus said, you're welcome. Come on in. I want to have a relationship with you. Now, the people that the religious culture had written off, which is fairly often we see throughout scripture, that the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the, the really strict religious people that were following the Old Testament, we see them often in God's word, and in the New Testament in particular, just writing people off in a very discriminatory, sometimes racist ungracious and unkind and very judgmental way, they would just simply say, you're not welcome. And Jesus comes to our planet and flips that on his ear, doesn't he? Because as he interacts with each person that we have record of in the Gospels, we see the opposite. We see that person being welcomed into the kingdom no matter what. Now, what we see in this moment is the people, they, they loved what Jesus was doing. 
This is why the crowds welcomed him into their capital city. They loved his grace. They loved his compassion, his miraculous ways. They loved the fact that he just raised Lazarus from the dead a couple days before. That was a pretty big miracle. They loved the way that Jesus made them feel special and important. And they also loved the way that Jesus called out the fake religious people. That Jesus taught them how to live authentically with God and that God loved them very much. So they threw their cloaks and their palm branches on the ground because they wanted Jesus to feel welcome because he had made them feel welcome. See, I love the fact that Jesus welcomes everyone. Doesn't matter. Jesus welcomes everyone. Now, if Jesus welcomes everyone, then guess what that means? Jesus welcomes you. He's welcoming you. Now, I want to spend our time together this morning talking about this very important reality that Jesus welcomes everyone. And I want to use a very important story in Luke chapter 19 to show us this. So if you have your Bible, you can get to Luke 19 or on your device, you can get to Luke 19. During this series, we're going to be looking at moments when Jesus welcomed someone that the culture and the society had given up on and also that themselves had given up on. Have you ever met someone that has given up on themselves? Maybe you're someone that right now is giving up on yourself. But I want you to know that even if you've given up on yourself or other people have given up on you, Jesus has not given up on you. He welcomes you. Now, what we see are moments all throughout Jesus' life where Jesus is saying, welcome, come on in. You're welcome into relationship with me and with my Father. And one of the great moments is in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is probably most likely heading to Jerusalem. In fact, he is heading to Jerusalem. It's part of him heading to even the triumphal entry, which we celebrate today as Palm Sunday. But he's, he's entering the city of Jericho. And Jericho um, is, you'll remember Jericho. Remember, this is the, this is the city that Joshua knocked down the walls and the people came in. Well, Jericho actually is not that far from Jerusalem. You can, when I was in, in Israel several years ago now, you can literally drive there in about an hour. It doesn't take you very long at all. So Jericho's not far. But there's this great moment where Jesus, and I believe intentionally, wanted to show the city of Jericho something, but he wanted to show us something too. Let's look at what Jesus did and what he's saying. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, because, but because he was short, <clears throat> I don't know anything about that, but I have to have somebody else talk about that this morning. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead 
and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. As I studied this section of scripture, I, I noticed three things that just kind of popped out at me, and I, I want to share them with you this morning. The first thing I noticed was that Jesus welcomed Zacchaeus with his words and his actions. Jesus was welcoming to Zacchaeus with, with his words and with his actions. The first thing that probably jumps out at you is that amazingly, Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. Now, that's not hard for God because God knows everybody. But Jesus mentions Zacchaeus' name. And this is important because knowing someone's name breaks barriers between you and that person. And my guess is Zacchaeus probably had some barriers between him and God. He probably felt like he was unworthy. He probably felt like he was guilty. He probably had a lot of shame due to his sinful nature. And he probably wanted to see who this miraculous guy was just because of the interest of who Jesus was. He'd, he'd become like an enormous celebrity in the community and in the nation by this time. And Zacchaeus wants to see who Jesus is. But there's probably a barrier between Zacchaeus and Jesus. By Jesus using his name, it's also a statement that Zacchaeus was important to Jesus. Jesus was saying, Zacchaeus, you have value. You have identity. And, and I value your identity and your individuality, and you're special to me. That's what Jesus was saying by using Zacchaeus' name. Now, don't lose sight of the fact that if Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name, it also means he knows your name. He knows exactly who you are. He knows your name. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows the day of your birth. He knows the day of your death. And he knows everything in between, good and bad, all of it. He sees how you're living your life, your actions, your words, your decisions, your habits, your everything. He sees everything and he welcomes you just like he does with Zacchaeus. See, Jesus knew everything about Zacchaeus. He knew everyone Zacchaeus had cheated, everything Zacchaeus was doing in his life to treat his fellow man with corruption. And Jesus knew the lifestyle Zacchaeus was living and supporting. Yet, Jesus welcomed him. He welcomed him with his words and his actions. As a result of being welcomed, Jesus, or Zacchaeus, wanted to welcome Jesus into his home. 
Now, what's interesting about Jesus or Zacchaeus welcoming Jesus is, and about this whole interesting moment in Zacchaeus' life is Jesus didn't treat him like everyone else in town. Look closely with me at the facts that transpired. Here's what I, I didn't see until I studied a little bit harder. In the Jewish culture, it was very common, similar to what Elsa talked about, that when there was an individual that had status in the community, they would be given the, the most important spot at an event or at a moment. And it would be most likely that in this moment, if somebody had status in the community, they would be given a front row seat to this parade of Jesus coming by. But did you notice that the crowd did not give Zacchaeus a front row seat? In fact, they pushed him to the fringe of the crowd, and they wouldn't let him in. Now, Zacchaeus probably tried to get in, but the people who have invited Zacchaeus, had they invited Zacchaeus to the front, they would have proved that they thought he was a man of status. But this shows the contempt that the people had for Zacchaeus. Their negative assessment of his life meant we don't care who you are and we don't care to make room for you or to welcome you. So his only option was to go further up the road as he could see where Jesus was coming and climb a tree. Now it's interesting as well that Jesus doesn't address anyone else in the crowd. There's no record of Jesus stopping and talking to anyone else and making them feel special. Who does he stop and talk to? Zacchaeus. And everybody in town is thinking in their mind what? Why is Jesus stopping and talking to the short little obnoxious guy in the tree? Does Jesus, you know what? Jesus must not know that he is a chief tax collector. Had Jesus known that he was stealing our money, he most certainly wouldn't have treated him special or kind because we all know that the worst people in the world are who? People who take our money. You see some similarities between the Jewish culture and the American culture? We think the same way, don't we? We're okay with a lot of other, other crime, but you start touching our money, and we've got a serious problem. And that means that as a culture, what? We have a serious problem. We're willing to kick people to the curb until they touch our money. We have a problem, just like the Jews did. No one in town would have stopped for Zacchaeus. But Jesus wanted the people of Jericho to know something. And Jesus wants us to know something today. And that is that Jesus welcomes everyone. In that moment, it would have immediately communicated to everyone in the town that no matter who you are, 
no matter how you live, and no matter what you've done in your life, you're welcome in relationship with me. This is an illustrated sermon that literally, Jesus didn't even have to say very much. Did you notice that? There's not very much red material here. He didn't have to say very much because the illustration and what Jesus did is so overwhelming. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, this is huge. In the Jewish culture, going to a a meal at somebody's house was in essence saying, I want relationship with you. I'm welcoming you into my life. I want to be a part of your life. That's what you are saying when you welcome someone to your house or you go to someone's house for a meal. Now, here's what's interesting, right? Zacchaeus was hoping to see Jesus, but Jesus was hoping to see Zacchaeus. I have a feeling Jesus could have made his way to Jerusalem a couple different ways. But he went through Jericho on purpose to give a message to you and to me that Jesus welcomes everyone. Now, because Jesus welcomed him with his words and his actions, Zacchaeus desired to welcome Jesus to his home and not only to his house, but into his life. And he chooses to say, right now, today, I give half of what I have to the poor. See, in that day, there was, there was an underground swell and, a, and an understanding from New Testament theology that if I was a true follower of God, I would take care of the poor. That if my heart was in the right place with God, I would take care of my fellow man. That's the point. And that's why Zacchaeus says, this this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to prove to you that my heart's in the right place. And I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, I will pay back four times the amount. The second thing I noticed was how despised Zacchaeus was. That the people just despised him. In, In the version that we read, Zacchaeus is described as a sinner. In the New Living Translation, he's described as a notorious sinner. In the message version, he's described as a crook. The crowd says, why is, he, why is Jesus going to his house? In other words, what? I'm way better than him. Why doesn't he come to my house? See, right away, everyone was thinking, why would you go to a sinner's house? A sinner is someone who's not obeying God, not honoring God in their life. Someone who says, my way of living is way better than God's way, and I'll do it my way. Why would you go to that person's house? I'm way better than he is. See, the culture had labeled Zacchaeus. In fact, I would say that the society had canceled Zacchaeus. In the same way our culture today is canceling people without grace and kindness and judgment, the Jewish culture of Zacchaeus' day had canceled him because he was a sinner. And because he was a sinner and because he was taking their money, he became an outcast. Let me ask you a question. Is there anyone you cancel 
Is there someone that you cancel that you think, for whatever reason, is not welcome into relationship with Jesus? Maybe it's this people group. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's because of their lifestyle or their religion or their actions are different than yours. Is there a group of people that you would label as sinners and as a result, you cancel them? Now, technically, are you correct? Probably. It's probably an accurate assessment of them according to God's word. I believe this moment in Jesus' life is in our Bibles to remind us of a very important fact, and that is that Jesus welcomes everyone, and therefore, we should too. Did Jesus know Zacchaeus was a notorious sinner? Yes. Does Jesus know you are a notorious sinner? Yes. Did that stop Jesus from loving Zacchaeus? No. And does it stop him from loving you? No. Not at all. See, Jesus didn't cancel Zacchaeus just because he wasn't obeying God. Jesus treated Zacchaeus with love and kindness and grace. And I'm going to ask you this morning, because I know that there are people all around you that are being canceled by our culture. There are people all around you that feel despised and outcast and lost. And my question is, do you see them? Do you see them standing up in that tree, looking to just find something in their life that might be of value and of purpose and of significance? Because every night when they lay their head on the pillow, they don't feel that way. Do you see them? Like Jesus saw Zacchaeus, do you see your coworker or that person that takes the money for your gas every week? your neighbor, a family member? What do you think of when you see them? Do you think like the Jewish culture did about Zacchaeus? He's a nobody. I don't like him. You know, his actions prove that he's not godly, and so I just write him off. I'm not making room for you in my life. That's what the Jewish culture was saying. Or do you say, how can I help that person? How can I welcome that person into my life to show them Jesus? Holy Spirit, show me how I can show that person that they're special and loved like you did with everyone you came in contact with. In Luke chapter 6, verse 32 to 36, Jesus said it like this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great 
and you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. You know, so often we look to be with people that are just like us, don't we? Have you noticed throughout the Gospels that Jesus was rarely hanging out with people just like him? He was looking all the time for a moment where he could bless someone that was different than him. And this is a great example. Here's a moment where everybody is saying, what? Jesus should not be hanging out with that guy. And that's the exact guy in that town and in that moment that Jesus wanted to hang out with. That Jesus wanted to be with. That Jesus wanted to reveal the heart of God the Father too. So I'll ask you, is there someone in your life that you would say, I don't like hanging out with that person? Maybe that's the very person that God wants you to reveal Jesus to. Maybe that's the very person that needs your patience and your kindness, your compassion, and your grace. Maybe that's the very person that the Holy Spirit is wanting to empower you to take the gospel to. The third thing I saw was that Jesus welcomes the lost. Jesus welcomes the lost. He said, I came to seek and save the lost. Now, Jesus came because all of humanity was lost. And as I look around the world today, I see so many people that are lost. And they're lost in so many ways. And we were lost at one point too, weren't we? I hope you don't forget how lost you were before Jesus. How lost I was before Jesus. And there's so many ways that we're lost. As I I look around, I see them like Right now, it's so easy to see that we are physically lost. And, and by physically, I don't mean we're in the middle of the woods. I mean, none of us are really physically lost as long as you have your phone with you, right? I mean, Google Maps can get you wherever you need to go. So that's not what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm talking about. We're physically lost because what we're saying culturally is I don't know what to do with my body. I don't know what to do with this physical thing that I've been given by God. I don't know what to do with my physical body. Our world is struggling with what to do with our physical body. And so we're trying everything with our bodies, and we keep feeling unfulfilled and empty. We think if we would just keep engulfing ourselves in more and more and more crazier ways to to help what's happening in my body, to get pleasure with my physical body, that we would finally reach fulfillment, but it doesn't work, does it? It's not working, and we end up stuck in a constant cycle of hurting ourselves. That's what we see around us. We're socially lost. What does it mean to be socially lost? It means I don't know who I am. That's what's happening to us socially. We're wondering, where do I fit? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And our world has yet to answer any of these questions 
Because the answer to all of these questions is a relationship with Jesus. And we don't want to go there. So we're socially lost. We're philosophically lost. What do I mean by that? I mean, I don't know how to think about God. Have you noticed how our culture can no longer have a conversation or at least a rational one about God? People everywhere, I think they want to talk about God, but as soon as we do, somebody gets angry and upset and mad and tempers are flying and everybody's going crazy. And before you know it, what was supposed to be a simple, easy adult conversation about God has now turned into a gigantic mess. Why does that happen? Every time you try to talk to one of your family members or a friend or a neighbor about God, why does it turn into a mess? Because that's exactly what the enemy wants it to turn into. And because as a culture, we, we think we know better than God does. We think we've come up with better ways to govern ourselves, educate our youth, heal our hurting, discover how life got here. And so we think our thoughts about morality and family are better than God's ideas. And the enemy doesn't want to get that back. He, he, he likes that he's stolen that. I just see us philosophically lost because as I watch the news and as I listen to people's painful life stories, I can't help but notice that the philosophies we are teaching to one another through our culture are hurting us, not helping us. And it's because we continue to leave God out of the philosophical conversation about how to do life. Lastly and most importantly, we're spiritually lost. And when we're spiritually lost, we say, I don't know whose I am. We have an identity crisis in our culture, and it's caused us to be lost in all of the ways above. And it's not because we haven't evolved enough. It's not because we haven't evolved enough mentally or physically or psychologically to discover how we got here. It's because we continue to leave God out of the question. And as Americans, it's because we've pushed spirituality out of our lives. Because we're a scientific culture, we think we don't need anything spiritual because we really know what's happening because we're scientific people. And so we ignore that we are uniquely and wonderfully made. We ignore that you are a marvelous and special creation of God. Because when we know whose we are, we have identity and purpose and value. We know why we are here. We know where and how we fit in this world. Or maybe we discover we don't fit in this world. We have a better home. But while we're in this world, we'll make the best of it and we'll help people come to know Christ. See, confusion that once clouded our life with doubt begins to fade away as we discover we are loved and welcomed by God himself. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And Zacchaeus was a lost soul. Zacchaeus was a chosen son of Abraham, but he was lost. He was lost in the world, and Jesus welcomes him home. He welcomed him back into relationship with his heavenly father. Now, this, this statement that Jesus made, I came to seek and save the lost, is very comforting and powerful. 
Because if you've ever been lost, one of the most comforting things to know is that someone knows you're lost and they'll come to find you. There's been several times where I've been lost in the woods with a rifle on my back. And one of the most comforting things to know is that the last thing I said as I went out the door was, Kate, I'll be here wherever I went. Knowing that if I didn't return a couple days later, Kate would send someone. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> It'd probably be quickly. <laughs> That Kate would send some, she'd call the authorities and say, he told me he would be in this area. And he can't walk very far, so he can't be far. <laughs> Let's just go look there. Right? Isn't it comforting to know that if you're lost and when you're lost, Jesus sees you. And if you're lost this morning, Jesus sees you. He sees you right where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He knows how you feel deep in your heart. And he knows what you've been doing to try to live life on your own. And he wants so much to be involved in your life. He wants so much for you to understand how much he loves you and all that he can bring into your life. Now, you may be wondering, especially if you're lost, especially if you're that person that night after night goes to bed and you just feel completely unfulfilled. Every night you put your head on the pillow and you just think, I wonder if tomorrow will be any better than today. And you're trying everything to try to figure out how life could be better and nothing's working. I want you to know that Jesus sees that. And he sees exactly where you are. He knows exactly how you feel. And while it may be hard to believe in Jesus, all you have to do is say it. It's that simple. Romans 10.9 says all you have to do is confess it. Just say, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe I'm lost and I need you. I believe like Zacchaeus that I'm a sinner and I believe you died for me and you came back to life to save me. That's it. Now that doesn't sound difficult, does it? But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard because we've lived our life on our own for a long time and we think I can just keep doing it this way. But Jesus would say, I've got something better for you. Jesus would say to you this morning, you're welcome into relationship with me. Just believe in me and take that step of faith. Would you pray with me? I believe that there might be some in this room or there might be some of you that are watching right now online. And you feel exactly like what I've explained. You feel physically lost. You feel socially lost. You feel philosophically lost, you feel spiritually lost, and you're trying, to, you're trying to make it, and you're trying to do your best, but you just keep falling short. You just, you just keep 
keep coming up unfulfilled. You keep going to that party and thinking it's going to be awesome, and you go, to, you go home and you're like, uh, it was just another one, and I still feel the same way I did last week. And you look for a relationship to fill you that's man to man. You, you look for a relationship, and you're leaving God out all the time. If that's where you're at, and that's how you feel, then what I want you to know is Jesus is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to believe in him, to reach out in faith to him, to trust him with your life and just say, Jesus, I'll give you a shot. Here's what I know. Every single time we give Jesus a shot, he's faithful. And if you'll give Jesus a shot with your life, you will find your life become blessed in so many ways you can't even imagine. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. If you feel lost without Jesus, but you want to start today, just like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus said today. You want to start today a relationship with Jesus. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right where you're at. And if you're at home, I know I can't see you, but Jesus can see you. So just raise your hand right in your front room. Raise your hand wherever you are. And Jesus sees it. In this moment, as you raise your hand, you're saying, for the first time in my life, I'm choosing to believe in Jesus. I'm giving him a shot. Jesus, we thank you for this moment. I'm trusting that there are people watching that are choosing to believe in you. And if there's someone in this room, I pray that they would talk to someone this morning before they leave to let them know that that's how they feel. Lord, I also want to pray for all of us that because we didn't raise our hands, I'm trusting that we're believing in you in, in a powerful way. And so, Jesus, I want to pray for us. Because the reality is, maybe the people around us aren't saved yet because we haven't been as welcoming to them as you were to Zacchaeus. And Lord, as we go through this series and we study over and over again about how welcoming you were, would you change us? Would you change our hearts? Would you change our lives? Would you change our words? Would you change our actions so that we become people that are welcoming to the disenfranchised, the disillusioned, the depressed, the despised, the outcast? Lord, may we do what you did. May we seek and look for the lost. I, I know we can't save them, but we can point them to you and you can. But Lord, would you help us to seek them out like you did? Help us, help our eyes to be opened 
to the people around us that we can welcome into relationship with you. And you would you help our words and our actions to model that they are welcome in relationship with God. Lord, this is a big task, but your Holy Spirit has been given to us to give us power to be witnesses for you. And so would you fill each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And Jesus, would you help each of us this week, every day, to do something to celebrate your death and resurrection and its impact in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it was great to see you. Thanks for joining us online. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.